Little is much when God is in it. Do we believe that the, this morning? Do want to introduce a new baby, Steve and Tanya. This isn't yours. This is your granddaughter, right? Okay. Stan and, and Nomi, Nami, Alexandria, right? Uh, I tell you what, yeah, it's beautiful. We'll have to figure this out. It seems like we're having new babies every week. It's a, a good epidemic to have, isn't it? It's good to see Bob Flint. You know, you've moved her up. She's usually on the back row. And so, yeah, praying for her. Stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's word. Reading out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And, and today I'm reading out of Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, the message, because I, I really like how he, he does this, this portion of scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Remember, our message is not about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ, the master. All we are is messengers, errand runners from Jesus for you. It started when God said, light up the darkness. And our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to present, prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. Lord, bless your word. Bless us this morning as we hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What was the best thing that happened to you this past week? What? I'll tell you my best thing. I found out that there is a skyline chili in, in Powell, Ohio. 20 minutes away, there is a sky. If you like skyline, say amen. All right? Yeah. I found out there was a skyline, and so on Tuesday evening, Spencer and I drove in the rain for 25 minutes to get a pile of chili, noodles, and cheese, and it was awesome. It was great. What was the best thing that happened to you, though? And we're going to take a few minutes, okay? I want you to, not a few minutes, a few seconds, (laughs) share with your pewmate what was the best thing that happened this week to you. And if you don't have anything else, say, hey, I get to come to church. Share now. Tell what was the best thing that happened this week. Pewmate. You guys didn't know pewmate's confusing to you. Chairmate, aisle-mate, whatever you want to. You know, we like to share good news, right? When good things happen to us, we want to share those things with other people. And so when, when we graduate, when we get married, when we, when we have babies, when we have grandbabies, when, when we get new jobs, when, when we go on exciting vacations, even when we go on boring vacations, we like to share those things. When we buy new cars, apparently it's the thing in our church now to get new hairstyles. Uh, Jan Knox had a new hairstyle. Christy Payne had one. Kim had one. You notice my new hairstyle? It, it looks a lot the same, and uh, you, know, you know, it's a lot shorter, I guess. But we, we share these things. things these big, this morning series called Just Walk Across the Room. And we're going to talk about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, and we're going to talk about evangelism. Oh, <laughs> Some of you are already frightened when I use the word evangelism. You think, leave the evangelism to the experts like Nelson Perdue and Bob Flint and Norman Moore. You know, that's for someone other than me. And when we use the phrase evangelism and we talk about these things, instantly this is the image that comes to mind. 
You, you think billboards, you think bullhorns, or, or you begin to think of a Tuesday night door-to-door knocking, cold knocking on people's doors, or you, or you think about memorized scripts, or you begin to think about tracks. And none of those things are, are wrong in and of themselves. I, I mean, I, I think if it's effective and people come for Christ, God bless them. But I think some of those methods can, can create a different image in our mind and intimidate us in, from being people who share the gospel. And I want us to have a simpler understanding of evangelism. Now, in his book, Just Walk Across the Room, Bill Hybels writes this, the single, single greatest gift Christ followers can give to the people around them is an introduction to the God who created them, who loves them, and who has a purpose for their life. This is what evangelism is. Constantly watching for ways to give that gift to someone living far away from God. And so, as believers, as ordinary people following Jesus, we have been given this great gift. And and I think sometimes we, we miss the significance of it. God has shined his light in our life, as, as the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians that we read, God has shined this great light in our life, and we have moved from chaos to order. He has, he has shined this great love in our life, and he set us on the right path, and we have this eternal life that doesn't just begin in the future, but this eternal life that begins in the here and now, this living light, living that, that wells up, this living water that wells up within us, this great gift. God has given us. If you are a believer and you belong to Jesus Christ, you have the greatest eternal gift anyone could have. And evangelism is not about scripts. And evangelism is not about complicated formulas. And evangelism is not about bullhorns. Evangelism is not just simply about revivals. Evangelism is not about big events. But evangelism begins with simply sharing that gift that has been implanted within you. Sharing what Christ has done in your life. Can I give you, uh, unpack this just a little bit further? To use the phrase that we began to use last week, Evangelism is planting the gospel as God gives us opportunity. When he gives us space, when he gives us opportunity, we we simply plant that seed of the gospel that God has planted within us. Now, there's a story that illustrates this, I believe, that that illustrates this simple ideal of evangelism. It's it's in Acts chapter 8. It's the story of, of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, of course, Philip is this is an early table waiter. <laughs> that, that's how he began his ministry. The, the Grecian widows weren't being served, and Philip was one of these seven that became one of those who waited on the Grecian widows. And, and, but, but then Philip had other gifts, and he, he was able to expound and present the gospel, and, and Philip became part of this great revival in Samaria. So Jesus said, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And and Philip becomes this witness in Samaria. And there's this great revival going on in Samaria. People are coming to the Lord because of Philip and his preaching in Samaria. And the Spirit speaks to him and says, okay, Philip, I want you to go in the middle of the desert. And I want you just to wait on the side of the road. So Philip minding the spirit, goes and begins to wait. And lo and behold, this Ethiopian eunuch, this this official 
and Ethiopia's government passes by and he's chariot. Now, I'm just curious, he's reading scripture, what, what image do you get? I, I think typically the image we get is this lone Ethiopian uh, in this chariot uh, reading the Bible, but I don't think it's safe to read the Bible and drive. So I think he probably had, you know, you can't text and drive even then. So, so he, he's, this is more of a procession, and they're going down the road. And I love the images, and I'm going to have to get here so I have more room. The images the Bible give you, gives you, because the Bible gives you this image for a while, and it doesn't say how long, but Philip begins to run beside the chariot. Bob, how long can you do this? I, I want you to do this until I'm done with the story, okay? Back and forth. He just runs. It doesn't say how long. I like to imagine in my mind it was like 10 miles. <laughs> I think it just, you know, I think God's got a little bit of a sense of humor and, and maybe Philip needed to lose a little bit of weight. So he said, hey, let's put him on a jog. And, and so he's running beside this chariot and the Ethiopian eunuch is reading from Isaiah. And finally he, he notices this guy that's running beside the chariot. <laughs> and he says, what's this mean? Philip goes, well, well let me explain it to you. And so Philip takes, and so we have this Ethiopian eunuch who is a God-fearer, who is interested in this God of the Jews because he's come to Jerusalem, and now he's going home. So he has an interest in the things of God, but he's not able to put it all together. And Philip, this Christ follower, this Christ believer, this new Christian, begins to explain to him what the Old Testament means through the context of Jesus Christ. And this Ethiopian official begins to understand what it means, what Christ has come to bring salvation and hope and life. And so right on the road, he says, you know, he gets saved. He accepts Christ as a Savior. And he says, you know, there's a body of water. Why don't you just baptize me right now? Anybody have that happen this week? I'm just curious, you know, a chariot, Ethiopian eunuch, and nobody? Pretty powerful story, right? And so Philip baptizes him right in the middle of his journey. And there's a couple things that when we look at Philip, there's a couple things he does that are helpful to us when we begin to consider what it means just to walk across the room. The first thing is this. Philip was willing to enter the zone of the unknown. And so, so we have to be willing to enter the zone of the unknown. We have to leave what's familiar, what, what we know. We, we have to be willing to take steps across the room. And, and that's the image that the series wants you to take hold of, this idea of leaving the comfort zone of the people you know and maybe introducing yourself to someone you don't know. I, I illustrate this often, but, but I, you want to know how you learn somebody's name? Here, let, let's see it again, okay, because I know... You know Hi, my name's Paul. What's your name? Okay. Do you know your name? <laughs> Someone help this young lady with her name. Uh, she's a blonde. Oh, man. <laughs> Lord, I pray for your forgiveness for Dave. You know, God can do amazing things if we're just willing to leave our comfort zone and introduce ourselves to someone we don't know. That we can just begin a conversation. This isn't about scripts. This isn't about memorizing things. This is simply about entering into conversation with people that you may not know. And the second thing was that Philip listened for the Spirit's prompting. 
In other words, this wasn't Philip going out on his own, but this was Philip being attentive to what the Spirit was asking him to do. And in his attentiveness, and in the presence of the Holy Spirit, God could take this ordinary encounter and transform it into something extraordinary. Now, now the concept behind the book, who wears a pedometer? Who, who wears pedometers and tracks their steps? Oh, raise your hand. You got, I'll tell you, we're going to have to do a lesson on raising hands. I know more of you do that than that. My mom is 82 years old, nearly 83, and she wears a pedometer, and she gets 10,000 steps every day. And so she gave my dad a pedometer, and he got 300 steps in one day. I said, Dad, a journey of 1,000 miles begins with one step, but you can take more than one of them a day. Uh, you know, I do a pedometer, most people do, and typically a typical person will walk 10,000 steps in a day. That, that's pretty average, some a little bit above, some a little bit below. And, and the concept of this book is that just changing the direction of a few of those steps can make an internal difference in people's lives. Just walking across the room can sometimes make an eternal difference in the life of another person. And the, and the question that Hybels asks is this, what if redirecting a person's forever really is as simple, a, simple as walking across the room? What, what if you would change the destiny? Because I believe when you change the life of one individual, you don't just change one life, but you change their family's life and those they know. That that it's never just one, but it's many. And one person coming to Christ has their own circle of influence, their own circle of friends, that them coming to Christ will make an eternal impact on their friends and their family as well. And what I've seen in my life is is that oftentimes it's one person in a family tree that comes to Christ and they change the trajectory trajectory of their entire family's life, the entire destiny of their entire family's life. So, So what if just walking across the room would impact not just one people, but many people? Hybels writes, just a few ordinary spirit-guided steps can have, a truly, can have truly extraordinary outcomes. I believe that's true. You know, we, we use the, the vision statement that we are ordinary people following Jesus. We're, we're, we're not extraordinary in and of ourselves. We're just ordinary folks trying to follow Jesus. But in our ordinariness, God can take that and do extraordinary things. When God fills an ordinary person with his Holy Spirit, extraordinary things happen. And I believe you can take that to the extent of conversations, that when we take conversations, ordinary conversations, and we allow the Holy Spirit to have a part to participate in ordinary conversations, God can turn ordinary conversations extraordinary. I'm reminded of of Jesus, and, and when I talk about conversations becoming extraordinary, my mind always goes back to John 4 and the lady at the well. The, the lady comes to the well, and Jesus is sitting there, and how does the conversation begin? Give me something to drink. How, how do we get from give me something to drink to I am the one they're looking for? How do we get to this this 
request for a drink of water to this point where Jesus is preaching to a whole Samaritan village. It's because ordinary conversations can turn extraordinary when we allow the Holy Spirit to be part of it. And the proposition of this series is, if you don't hear anything else that that I'm saying, the proposition of this series is this. You are going to have a lot of ordinary conversations today and this week. And the question is, will we allow the Holy Spirit to be the center of those conversations and listen to him and listen to the other person to the extent that God can change that ordinary conversation to something extraordinary and eternal? I'm curious, how many of you were saved, and the first time you heard the gospel and, and you came to Christ was at a Billy Graham crusade, a huge campaign? How many, anybody like that? One, okay. How many of you were saved because you had a parent, a friend, a co-worker, somebody that loved you, that invested in you, and had many conversations with you along the way? Would you raise your hand? <laughs> See, we have in our mind, and it happens, that that someone coldly turns on the TV and Billy Graham's preaching because the Holy Spirit's effective and can do that, right? But typically, people come to Christ because they have a parent, a sibling, a grandparent, a friend, a co-worker, someone that invests in them conversation after conversation, and God is able to use that investment, that seed that's planted, and a harvest comes forth. Now, we don't always get to lead people to Christ like Philip did. (laughs) matter of fact, that's the rarity. Uh, Not not very often do we have these impromptu baptisms in, in the middle of the road, Matter of fact, I would venture to guess that probably no one's ever experienced anything like that. And so not every opportunity is the same. And in your insert I wrote, not every opportunity is equal. This is your time to interact. Take that insert and cross out that word equal and put same, okay? Everybody do that right now, all right? Not every opportunity is equal. Not every opportunity is the same. But every opportunity is is important. Whenever the Spirit gives you an opportunity, it may not be leading to Christ. It may just be planting the seed. It may just be, and, and I, I got to tell you, I, I think that we need to do a better job of this. It may just be listening to where they are. You know, listening is an expression of love. And, and to love someone is to listen to them. And, and just listening many times is a vehicle in which God's grace can shine. Not every opportunity is, is the same, but every opportunity is important. However you can plant the gospel this week makes a difference. Now, we're going to give you some opportunities with this series, some practical ways 
that you can plant the gospel. And, and you see on the back wall, we have the, the Union County map, and there's, there's places that you can get involved in ministry. There's ways that you can plant the gospel practically by serving. I talked to Terry Moore after the service, and Terry would say, you know, Pastor, I, I'm planting the gospel here. And he began to share all these different ways that he's planting. You know, I'm, I'm, I go to Aldi every week, and I get groceries, and they donate the groceries, and I took, take them to the food pantry. And, and, and every t- week when I come back, I say, God bless you for giving. And people were asking why I said, God bless you for giving. And they told them, and they, they begin, begin to give money so they can buy more groceries for the food pantry. And so there's opportunities back there. And in the bulletin, there's an emphasis. Uh, the Hope Center needs people to help prepare meals. Uh, maybe you're, you're saying, man, Pastor, I just don't know how. That's how. <laughs> I mean, we're spoon feeding you. We, we want you to see there's opportunities all around you to serve. And we're making you aware of them. You can go to the Hope Center and you can take you out of the zone of the known into the zone of the unknown. And listening to the Spirit in the midst of that, He will give you, I guarantee you, He will give you opportunities to plant the gospel. On October 24th, we're having a family fall we're having some sort of festival that's got family and fun in it, or fun or something in it. What, tell me again. Fall Fun Fest, uh, but families are invited. October 24th at church, our second annual Fall Fun Fest. And, and there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer for you to participate. We, we need you to, to, to sign up. We need help. We'll, we'll literally have hundreds of people from our community that will give you an opportunity to invest in them, to plant the gospel in your home turf at the church. You know, there's a problem in, in the church, and, and Bob, I don't know if you see this where you've ministered or not, but the, the problem in the church is we've we grown to love each other so much that we don't know anybody else. And oftentimes we live in this shell of the church. And probably before you were saved or right after you were saved, you could count dozens of people that you were close to that that weren't Christians. But now if I probably ask you to write out five people's names that you're close to now after you've been in the church for a while, you'd probably struggle to find five names of people that you know that are not Christians. It's, it's, it's just something that you see in the church. And, and so these are opportunities for you to be moved out of your comfort zones and meet people that, that maybe need to find a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, you know, in so doing, you may find that some of these people that show up are your neighbors. <laughs> and the next time you see them walking down the street, walking their dog, you'll have a reason to have a conversation. You'll have a topic you can talk about. And then Friend Day. On November 1st, we're going to have a Friend Day here. And uh, we're encouraging you to invite a friend to church. And when I say invite a friend, just so we're clear, I'm not talking about Lutheran friends and Presbyterian friends, okay? This is not fill the church with other denominations Sunday. Uh, Let's try to find somebody that doesn't have a church home, okay? Are we okay with that? (laughs) So that's November 1st. But just practically look for opportunities to plant and and plant the gospel, and, and then share them. We, we've got a couple of ways you can do this. There, there's a sheet in the back of the sanctuary that says, I planted the gospel by, 
and it's just got places for you to write your story, how you planted the gospel in the past week. I created today a, a Facebook page called Plant the Gospel 2016. And, and so this is an opportunity on social media, and there's the page, for you just to share your stories. We're encouraged by each other's stories. We're, we're motivated by each other's stories. When, when we share our stories, we see other ways that we can participate. And so what I'm encouraging you to do, instead of just taking pictures of your food like I did this week, right? Or your dogs or your kids. <laughs> you can take pictures of your kids still and your dogs. That's fine. But share your stories. And I think it's an encouraging thing as we begin to see how God is working through each one of us. Maybe you're not a social media person. Maybe you're, you don't like to write things. You can email me. Maybe you don't email. You can text me. All those things. And I will even talk to you face to face. Okay? Uh, we'll, we'll go old school and you can come to my office and we'll have a meeting and I'll write those things down for you. Okay? But we want to share. We want to see how God is giving you opportunity to plant the gospel. I was talking to, to Carol Borland. I, I can't remember when we talked. Was that Sunday night or when? Sunday night I was talking to Carol and we were, uh, she was talking about planting the gospel. And she said, Helen, it's good to see Helen this morning. Helen wasn't feeling very well. Uh, she had heard me in Sunday school, and that was enough for one day, okay? And so she wasn't feeling well, and they were going home. And on the way home, uh, they saw someone that's going through some difficult times. And even though Helen didn't feel well, she said, we've got to stop. And we've got to talk to them and share with them and spend some time with them. And, and then after they did that, she said, now, Carol, I want you to go to, the, to home and, and to the apple tree. We have an apple tree, and I want you to get a load of apples and bring it back to them. And Carol said, we were planting the gospel on the way home. <laughs> You know, I like that image, that, that even on the way home from here, it's possible for you to plant the gospel. So I have a couple questions just as we begin to wind up. Are you paying attention to opportunities to plant the gospel? We live in a noisy age. Amen? It's easy to get so caught up and how frantic our lives are that we do not hear the Spirit's promptings, the Spirit's leadings, that we miss opportunities. As a matter of fact, I, I, would, I, would, probably, I would say it'd probably be reasonable to say that probably most of us have missed opportunities this past week because we were not paying close enough attention to the Spirit's leading that there's been opportunities to plant the gospel, but because of busyness, because of, uh, we're hard of hearing, we just didn't do it. How do we hear over the noise? Now, Heibel suggests the only thing you need to, in order to sustain an effective approach to evangelism year after year is an ear fine-tuned to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And, and I think that's probably true. That, that means... That pastor doesn't have to program an evangelism program for you, okay? This doesn't have to be programmed, but if you pay close enough attention to the, to, the, to the guy or the girl that waits on you today for lunch, God is just liable to give you opportunities to plant the gospel. If you pay close enough attention to what your neighbor is saying over the fence, I believe God will give you 
uh, opportunities to plant the gospel. If you listen to what your spouse, can can we plant the gospel in our homes? (laughs) What your spouse is saying to you, I believe God will give you opportunity to plant the gospel. See, I I don't think it's a a question of opportunity. I think it's a, a question of hearing and listening. Are we listening to the Spirit's prompting? Are we listening uh, to, to where God is leading? Are we seeing the opportunities that God has given? So, so are you listening? And the second question is, how, how, where, who is the God we know? Do, do, do you believe you have something worth sharing? Do we? Sam, I'm concerned that in the church that we've heard this stuff so much that, that we've been around it so long that we've begun to lose the value of light and salt. That, that it's just what we have. And it may be right for me, but it I don't know if they'd be that receptive. And, and we've lost this idea that this, this God who has inhabited our life, this, this story of Jesus Christ who gives us hope and, and meaning and value is the answer for everyone else's problems as well. <laughs> that, that somehow that neighbor that's so bitter, that, that neighbor that seems so lost, the answer to their problem is Christ. And somehow in the church, I think we're around it so much. It's like the values diminish because we're around it so much. And sometimes I think it's because that maybe the relationship we have with God is not as real as it needs to be. I'm going to give you a simple principle. You can't give something you don't got, right? Now, that's not good English, right? You cannot give something that you do not possess. In other words, I think sometimes that the problem is that our relationship has become so stale that it's very difficult to share with someone else because the staleness of our relationship precludes us from sharing anything of any value. So how do you see your God? Is, is your God this disapproving authority figure? Do you see God as the killjoy? God as the cruel king? God as the giver of the boring life? Do you see your Christian walk as rules, regulations, and rituals? That, that, that somehow all this is about is being conformed to what everybody else is thinking, what everybody else is doing, that, that, that all the life has been sucked out of it. So, see, I, I think when, when Christianity becomes just form and religion and not relationship with your heavenly father, you lose all the joy. And I got to tell you, if something doesn't give me joy, <laughs> I don't want to share it. Ibels writes this, Is the God you know full of grace and mercy and compassion? 
Is the God you know mysterious, surprising, captivating? Is he forever unchanging yet always brand new? Does he inspire you with his big ideals about how your life can really count? Is he faithful? In my experience, the people who find themselves taking walks across rooms have first landed on the belief that the God they know is worth knowing. They've cultivated a heart posture that that says, well, of course everyone I know would want this type of relationship with God. I'm absolutely sure you'd all love what I'm experiencing here. Stand with me, if you will. I'm going to ask Vicki to come and play. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. Where are you at? I mean, is it just form? Is it just religion? Or is it relationship? Is it bringing joy? You know, these aren't questions that I can answer, but the Spirit can answer. That's why we're going to go any further in the service. You know, we're going to give other opportunity for people to come and pray for others and pray for more boldness. But we're just going to pause for a minute. Maybe the relationship just needs to be reignited. As the revelator John writes, maybe you need to do the first works over. Maybe you're just lukewarm and you need to be on fire again. I'd invite you to come. You know, that the altars, there's nothing particularly special about altars, but there's something special about people who are obedient and come to an altar and pray. God honors your steps of faith. So we're in a way, maybe you just need to, to meet with him again. Maybe you need to restore relationship. Maybe maybe you need to renew relationship. Let's wait just a moment. I'm speaking to those that that maybe you say, Pastor, I just don't know what to do. And uh, you need boldness. You need direction. You need the Holy Spirit to make you aware of opportunities because you think it's important and and you, you want to be about the business of sharing the good news. I'd invite you to come and then we're going to close in prayer if you're just asking God to help you see your opportunities. Our Heavenly Father, um, Lord, I believe you have a plan for our church. And not, not just a plan for our church, but for the people of this church. That, that somehow, Lord, we um, will be a vessel that you can use to reach others with the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and I'll confess, Lord, there's times I, I just don't feel like I do that great of a job of leading us along this path. I'm trying. I'm doing my best. Lord, it seems like sometimes it's a struggle, and sometimes it seems easy, but sometimes it's a struggle. And today's been one of those days. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will do the work that I can't do. Uh, that in my weakness and, and, Lord, in my inability, that your Spirit will do a work that's greater than me. I believe this is significant, Lord, that um, somehow you're calling us to something more. And to get there, it's going to take more than us. It's going to take you. So I pray, Lord, that you'll give us relationships that are real. Not a form. Not pretend. But, Lord, relationships that are deep and meaningful. 
where we dive deep into your love. And Lord, as we dive deep into your love, we love others deeply as well. Somehow, Lord, in the midst of of that kind of love, I believe that people begin to see your grace, your mercy, your soul, and your light. We live in a dark age. But the good news is this. Dark cannot overcome light. So help us, Lord, to live with that kind of faith, that kind of awareness. Help us to do those things that, that allow us to have fresh relationships with you. It's not found just in a Sunday morning service, but Lord, it's found in private devotional times and talking about your word with others and in private prayer times and corporate prayer times. It's found in serving and giving. All those things that allow us to see you at work in our day-to-day life. So Lord, as we get up from these altars, as as we leave these these pews, and Lord, as we go out and serve, give us a greater awareness of the God who's always one step ahead. May we follow you, and Lord, as we follow you, uh, may we just uh, bring glory to you in the way we live our lives. Now, Lord, I love you. I thank you, Lord, that I've had people who have invested in my life, that have prayed for me, who have taught me, who have been my pastor, who have, have invested me in, in so many ways. I pray, Lord, that um, you allow me to do the same thing. Bless us, keep us. And Lord, as we, um, as we leave this place, may we always be aware that we don't leave your presence, but you indwell us. And Lord, where, where we go, as you fill us with your spirit, Uh, we can show you to others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless.